Blog Talk Radio. Hi there. I'm Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, and this show is a celebration of baby boomers who are embracing life as we grow older. But if we want to continue to celebrate our lives, we know that we have to be mindful of how we take care of, and get this, our entire beings. I'm talking body, mind, emotions, and spirit. Our guest today is going to share the latest scientific research on how we can make the most of these important facets of ourselves to live long, healthy lives. Marta Zaraska is a science journalist who's been published in the Washington Post, New Science, Scientist, whoops, Scientific America and the Atlantic, as well as many other well-known publications. Her second book, Growing Young, How Friendship, Optimism, and Kindness Can Help You Live to 100, love that title, just came out earlier this week, and boy, am I excited to have her join us and share all about it. I have been looking forward to this interview and speaking with you. So welcome, Marta. Thank you so much for having me over on your show. Uh, Well, I have to start out. I did get a few minutes to tell you before we went on air, but this book, I've got to say, this is one I am going to pick up again and again and again, because not only was the information fascinating, and especially as you get older, health becomes a huge part of your life, but the writing style, you made it so much fun to read, and I did mention uh, science was not always my favorite subject in high school, but I could you I was laughing out loud at some of this and going, Oh wow, at other parts. So congratulations on this fabulous book. Thank you so much, Eileen. I definitely had a lot of fun writing it as well myself. So this some of the stories I was exploring were really, really fascinating and the experiments I had to do of my on myself sometimes were also quite <laughs> yeah. fun to do. So <laughs> Yes, I don't want to give anything away, but you did experiment on yourself a lot, Marta. You found yourself in, let's just say, some interesting situations. <laughs> so I have to ask you, though, of course, you write for these you know, well-known and highly regarded scientific publications. You have other books out there or another book out there, a meat-eating, I know. But um, what led you to want to write a book on the softer side of longevity? Because, boy, it's, it's kind of nice. Uh, the softer side of longevity. So as you mentioned yourself, I was writing for many, many years for different scientific publications, and I was specializing in nutrition and health and psychology. And um, I was always also very health conscious myself and trying to eat as healthy as I could and also trying to feed my family as healthy as I could. I'm a mom, so I also make sure that my daughter is eating healthy and you know, and exercising and make sure, sure everybody else in the family was exercising, sometimes using nagging and other things like that. And, uh, and at the same time, I was reading more and more research, coming across research and talking to scientists who were starting to tell me a very different story, something that I was not really seeing anywhere else. And that story was that diet and exercise are not as important to health as we make them to be. And actually other things such as kindness, volunteering, friendships, your romantic relationship may be actually even more important to health than diet and exercise. So I started researching and after reading several hundreds of research papers, uh, actually it completely shattered my previous assumptions and I, I discovered that I was approaching it all wrong and diet and exercise were not everything. 
Yeah, I, I, that just, I mean, that part blew me away. Well, so much of the book blew me away. But I am going to g- grab a quote from you. But considering the numbers, studies show that a building strong support network of family and friends lowers your mortality risk by about 45%. Yep, that, that's, that's a lot. And, you know, and so... And uh, whereas things like, for example, diet and exercise, they, they usually go only about 20 to 30%, which is still a lot, but less yes. than actually your social life. So this, is, this was absolutely amazing to me. So what you're saying is that we can go uh, to bars, smoke and drink, as long as we've got a lot of friends, <laughs> no, right? I'm not saying no. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be best if you ate healthy and exercise and to care of your uh, social life and volunteering. But sometimes we do put too much effort in certain things, such as fat diets and supplements and maybe, you know, organic foods or some miracle foods and uh, exercise gadgets. We put too much emphasis on certain things like nutrition and diet and too little on the other exactly those softer uh, ways to, uh, to live long and healthy. Well, and another thing, I have to confess, you know, that the, the they'll come out with some scientists and say, oh, take this, uh, take this vitamin or whatever, and you will live to be 100. So, of course, you do, you know, I order them, and then the next time I order them, because they've made the news, they're up, you know, double, 200% the cost is more. How much does it cost to take a walk with a friend? I mean, really. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, exactly. It's just and I was just going to say one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, all this about, you know, getting together with people and all the social aspect of this was kind of, yeah, I mean, I was thrilled to read it, but since I am in a place where we are still practicing uh, social distancing and all of this quarantine stuff, you know, that was, you know, my gosh, when when I know how important it is to be with other people. But one of the things that you noted in one of your sheets that you gave me was that the coronavirus pandemic could actually make us healthier. So I'm going to ask you to tell me a little bit more of that right at the top of the show because I thought that was fascinating. I mean, it could. It makes us appreciate more our friendships and the social life that we have lost right now, right? So because we are isolating, and here in France we were going through extremely strict isolation for over two months. And, uh, and uh, you know, if it makes us appreciate the, the connection, the friendship that we cannot have right now, you know, who, for example, you know, in the pre-coronavirus times, many of us were uh, meeting with our friends and at the same time constantly looking on our smartphones and not really paying attention. And I think that these days nobody would do that because you, you have so little time with those friends and family that nobody would be looking at their phones. I hope so. And uh, so if it makes us appreciate more certain things like social life, also the kindness and empathy. And, you know, so in so many places around the world, communities were coming together and people were for the first time meeting their neighbors and discovering them. So it, if this whole situation helps us rediscover certain things uh, and prioritize better, this could in the long run help us live longer. I'm so glad that I did ask you that right at the start, and I think you know that that again that appreciation of uh, of the real connection we have with people and how important it is. And one of the things I noted uh, that I wanted to talk to you about is uh, you called it empathy in crisis, and the test for American students took a nosedive up 48 percent from 1979 to 2019. That's that's sad, shocking, and upsetting. It's very sad and shocking, you know, and uh, unfortunately it's true, and, you know, and 
also loneliness is as well extremely rampant. Just think about it that as many as a quarter of Americans doesn't have even a single friend in whom they can they can confide. You know, this is really really a big disaster from both mental health and physical health perspective. Boy, I mean that you know. So that is you know, if you're home quarantined and and really need some friends, get busy finding them because, boy, that I mean that that is like I say, sad, shocking, and upsetting. Another thing I have to tell you though, I'm switching gears here. You mentioned uh, smartphones or cell phones. Now I am of an age where you know I'm still getting used to mine. <laughs> I do not I do not suffer from the the uh, addiction that you know younger people do. But I learned a new word in your book. And I, I want you to explain it, if you would. What is fubbing? Yes, so, so fubbing means, um, so it's a connection of uh, two words, uh, which is snubbing and phone. And uh, it means basically <laughs> ignoring other people uh, and choosing your phone over them. So, you know, fubbing is what those people who you see in restaurants are doing who are looking at their phones instead of talking to each other. Uh, and uh, <laughs> And it's... And there is actually research on it. If you put it into, you know, a scientific journal, it's actually a real word that appears there. Uh, scientists oh are God. doing research on stubbing, and it shows, unfortunately, that it's really bad for you, um, both for the quality of your relationships and for your physical health, because as your quality of your relationships, your romantic relationship or your friendship suffers, also your health tends to go downhill. Well, I mean, that I, I, that is, again, it is amazing to me. Again, I sound like a crotchety old lady, which I am, by the way. But, you know, when the days when you used to be able to go to a restaurant and you would see this table of, you know, maybe six or eight uh, young people, and they're all on their phones not talking to each other, just was, you know, amazing to me. But uh, back to our own personalities, you say that actually personality does matter for longevity, and um, if you're kind, if you're optimistic what are some of the ways that these kinds of things can help with our health and and our, our again our longevity so the two traits that are most connected to health longevity are one is neuroticism and the other one is conscientiousness. So, for example, in so neuroticism is this kind of you know constant negativity and being unhappy about everything and also slightly hypochondriac and just think Woody Allen basically in all his movies uh, and uh, <laughs> yes. in the, in the Netherlands, uh, for example, uh, the government has calculated actually that the most, the top most neurotic people cost the country over 1.3 billion dollars per year per million inhabitants in health, health, healthcare costs. So they actually put a number on it, and a big one as well. Uh, and uh, as for conscientiousness, so this is the the trait that makes you pay your bills on time and always show, uh, show on time and keep your house neat and tidy. Uh, this trait actually is the one that is the biggest predictor of health longevity. Uh, and um, it's actually, if you could put it into a pill, it will be a miracle drug, basically. Uh, and the good thing is also that people often don't realize that personality traits uh, are something you can work on and you can actually change them. Part of it is, is genetic, but a very small part, and, and generally we can actually really change our personality traits. And the key here is just basically fake it until you make it. So the more you do conscientious things, for example, the more you show on time, the more you tidy your office desk or, or things like that, the more you actually become conscientious, and this can really, really boost your health and longevity. 
Wow, and I am looking right now around at my desk, and I need a boost. <laughs> There's some papers <laughs> strewn about. <laughs> so conscientiousness, you you want to be conscientious. The other thing, I, I mean, this, this book is so filled with all these tidbits that are just, I, just gems uh, that you've got in there. And back to personality, you know, if people with a fear of commitment tend to have higher fasting <laughs> glucose, which I know is a predictor of diabetes. Yes, that's right. The commitment phobia is not good for your health. And um, on the other hand, marriage, uh, so the opposite of commitment phobia, is, uh, is actually really, really good for you. So, for example, marriage can lower your mortality, mortality risk more than the famed Mediterranean diet. So uh, it can also, you know, people who are happily married uh, have lower risk of cancer, lower risk of diabetes, of heart disease, even the flu. So uh, it's it's really amazing what a committed romantic relationship can do to you. Well, that and then another thing, I mean, if if you're not fortunate enough to be in a committed, you know, marriage or whatever, and not everybody is, especially as you get older, we lose spouses and, you know, difficult things. But we can volunteer. We can make charitable donations. Then you ever put, another, I noted this one, altruism reduces stress, volunteers show lower levels of C-reactive protein, and I know C-reactive protein is a marker for, and I'm going to let you explain further. <laughs> yes, the marker of inflammation, and of course inflammation is not good for you. It's actually behind the most of the top biggest killers that are, that are out there. Uh, so and volunteering does lower your risk of high inflammation levels by about 17%. So that's quite a lot. And volunteers spend much less time in hospitals than people who sh- who don't get involved in charities as well. Uh, so basically, volunteering is as good for you as eating six or more servings of fruits and vegetables per day. So it's it's really really amazing. And you know, and even money donations work. People who who donate their money actually show, especially elderly people, they have strong their hand grip, they walk faster, which is which are all signs of good health. Gosh, it's just amazing. And I, I again I could go on and on and I will but not too much longer because unfortunately <laughs> I will have to close. But now this is where I'm going to mess this word up. Ikigai, is that the way you say it? Because that's I know it's Japanese and I believe it means a reason to get up in the morning or whatever, but even more than volunteering, having a purpose in life is important to our health and well being. Yes, that's right. Ikigai, at least I also don't I'm not hundred percent sure this is how you pronounce it, <clears throat> is something I heard a lot when I was traveling for research in Japan and uh and this means a reason for living. And uh in Japan people consider it one as one of the most important health predictors. Uh even when you talk to uh to uh aging uh researchers, like researchers who research aging and uh, doctors, they talk about this purpose in life as something as important as diet or, or exercise. And you know, Japanese are the longest living nation on the planet so I think they know what they're doing Exactly, and they're not 100% great on all the health things. I know they have a lot of salt in their diet, and a lot of them, I think, smoke still. I'm not, I'm not sure about that. But, but yeah. yeah, so they're doing something right, and that's for sure. Well, if we're not lucky enough, if we're quarantined and we're not lucky enough to have a lot of friends over, though, get a dog because you wrote, can looking into your dog's eyes boost your health? And my guess is yes. Yes, it does, and uh, the reason for this is, uh, is oxytocin. This is the so-called love hormone, one of the so- many social hormones we have. We other ones are like serotonin and endorphins, for example. And oxytocin, uh, on one hand, is responsible for all this 
warm feelings you may be having, but also, for example, it can, it can boost bone growth, which prevents osteoporosis. So in a way, you could say that looking into your dog's eyes can prevent osteoporosis, which is amazing to me. <laughs> I mean, that's what, <laughs> Marta, you must have, when you were doing research for this book, which required, I'm sure, a ton of research, but you must have gone, oh, wow, oh, wow, just like I'm doing now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, definitely. And uh, I have a dog now, and I'm very happily looking deeply into her eyes every day. Well, that is so wonderful. Well, Marta, this has been such a delight. I was excited to interview you, and as I mentioned, I could keep you in your case all evening, in my case all morning, but uh, I guess we will have to close at some point. So I want to make sure everybody knows you do have a website. So where can our listeners go to find out more about you, your work, and, of course, pick up this amazing book, Growing Young? Uh, so the website is just like the book's title. It's www.growingyoungthebook.com. And just again, Growing Young, uh, also the subtitle on that book is How Friendship, Optimism, and Kindness Can Help You Live to 100. So I don't want to leave that off. So, yes, so thank you for sharing the website. Thank you for all this wonderful information. And before we go, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to leave with us? We'll just say more mature uh, listeners and fans of yours. Yes, but actually people sometimes worry that living to 100 is not a good idea because they will end up being frail for a very long time. But actually the, the, the great thing is that the healthier you are and the longer you live, the less time percentage-wise and just in pure time, months and years, actually you spend being infirm. So one out of 10 people who end up living to 110 or more actually escape disease until the very last three months of their life. Just imagine that. You live to be 110 and you are only sick for three months. Amazing. Well, that's my plan, Marta. Thanks to you. (laughs) Yes, mine as well. (laughs) <laughs> well, as I've mentioned, this has been a delight. I I thank you for your your kindness, your generosity, your volunteering to come on this show, and all the wonderful information you provided. Thank you so much for having me, Eileen. Well, and I urge everyone, please do check out Marta's website. You can find her at zaraska.com. And be sure and get this book, This Growing Young. It is going to give you a wealth of science-backed research that is presented in a highly readable, fun style to get your science, I have to say. And it will give you lots of motivation and lots of reasons to go out there and celebrate those friends in your life and fully embrace life on the feisty side of 50. So until next time, this is Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, saying I'll catch you later. Bye-bye.